Welcome to today's episode. If you are listening to this, you are probably interested in starting your own nutrition practice. You're super passionate about women's health and holistic wellness, and maybe you want to change gears. Maybe you have this like entrepreneurial heart and you just love hearing how other people did it and maybe your your wheels are spinning on what you can do. In this episode, I'll be jumping into how I dove headfirst into entrepreneurship and how the Lord really guided my steps here, how I moved into the nutrition field after being a missionary and graduating without a nutrition degree, how I knew what I wanted to do, the programs I took, the schooling I did, and how I chose each of those programs, how I built my business, how I made my offers and got off the ground, and then some reflections and some thoughts as a Catholic wife and business owner. I am 1.5 years into business and I've served 100 women. So I get this question of like, hey, I want to do what you're doing. How do I do it? Probably once a month. So I want to go through all of it and give you give you an idea of how literally you can do this too. So first, a little bit of a backstory. To be clear, I never, ever, ever imagined <laughs> that I would be doing this at all. From the age of like three to 15, my life was planned out. I thought I was going to be a vet. That was all I wanted because my greatest love in the world was animals. And it was all I ever pictured doing until finally in high school, I was real with myself and I was like, I cannot put down a dog (laughs) and I don't want to do any surgery. So I kind of just abandoned that. And the rest of high school, I had no career dreams. I really have never been a huge career girl, more of like a lifestyle girl. Like I would imagine and be like, what are the things that I love? And how can I have like a life that I really enjoy rather than being really set on like being a Wall Street CEO or anything like that? It was just not how I thought. And so in high school, I would kind of be like, you know, they would make you do projects in class about like what you're going to do and like start thinking about your major and what college you're going to go to and all that kind of stuff. And I was pretty blase about all of it and would just kind of be like, what can I do freelance? Like, (laughs) what can I do where I don't have to sit at a desk for eight hours? That was really my thing. I was like, I am not made for that life. I can't do it. And what can I like travel with? The entrepreneurial heart was showing real, real young. So then I started college and I thought I was going to be a teacher. So at 18, I started working two jobs and I started going to college and I was working with kids full time and I was really good at it because hashtag feminine genius. But by the second year of it, I was kind of reassessing and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I could do this and have kids of my own. Like, again, imagining that lifestyle and being like, I don't know if I could take care of someone else's kids for eight hours. I'm getting really, really tired. And then being able to go home and have patience with my own family, I was just realistic. And I was like, I don't know that I have that capacity, which is why those of you that are teachers are so freaking dope. That is not like, (laughs) that is not something that everyone can do. And it's very, very inspiring to watch you do it. So finally, at the end of community college, which side note, if you're listening to this and you are young enough to make this decision still, I really encourage you to consider community college. Yes, it feels so lame senior year. Like it it feels so not cool when everyone is walking around wearing their college sweatshirts and then all your friends move out of state to go somewhere else and they're living on their own and all these things. 
But you know what else is lame? Being $50,000 in debt for a degree that you may or may not use. And just because you wanted to keep up with the Joneses. Just a thought. Like, it is this, one of the smartest things I've ever done. And I'm so grateful that my family encouraged me in that way because I saved so much money and it gave me space to think about, like, what I wanted to do. Also, GEs are GEs everywhere. So I digress. At the end of community college, I was like, well, what was my favorite class? <laughs> what, what do I transfer into because when you transfer colleges you have to declare a major um and I was like well my speech class was my favorite the class that I avoided for all two years because I was absolutely petrified of public speaking at this point which is some one of the craziest things the Lord has ever done is free me from the fear of speaking in public because that then became my life for a few years but I would literally like cry after presentations in high school. I would be shaking the whole time. I couldn't look up. I was so scared. And then that class ended up becoming my absolute favorite in my undergrad. So my professor was, she was so impactful and she was like, Hey, if you like this class, then you probably want to be a communication studies major. Have fun, go transfer. So I transferred and I transferred into the wrong major. <laughs> I, my first semester of my junior year, was communications classes, which is not the same thing. That was PR and marketing and everything in that vein. And I was, I like realized my mistake, I think once I got there and I was like, oh shoot, these are not the classes that I wanted to be in, but maybe, maybe I'll like it. Again, there was like not a big career commitment and I kind of was just like, I'll just do whatever I feel like. And so I took a semester of those classes and loathed them entirely. It was just not for me. <laughs> and so then my bachelor's degree is in communications studies. So that gave me massive tools for not just being a people person, which I already was. And it, it really actually was very, very practical, but also an effective people person. So a lot of my major was research. It was conflict. It was relationships. Like my favorite part was the interpersonal part, but there's also like the um, organizational communication, intercultural communication, all that kind of stuff. So I really, really, really enjoyed it. At this point, I was working in ministry. I had had my reversion when I was 19, where I like was really I'm going to be Catholic until the day that I die. And I love the Lord so much. And he just saved my life. And I need him every minute of every day. So I was in ministry, of course, because anything that I love, I go full, full throttle into. So I was like, great, this all adds up. I hadn't known what I was going to do. I'll probably just work for the church forever because I love Jesus. And why not? So then, of course, I became a focused missionary. I accepted in, in the for fall semester of my senior year. Now, this is a really important thread in the journey, which has actually shaped a lot of my steps and my heart. And it's how I ended up making a lot of decisions. It's how I became a middle school minister. It's how I became a focus missionary. And then it's the same kind of mental thread that led me into becoming an NTP, which goes all the way back to a talk in 2018. So in 2018, we had the SLS conference, which doesn't exist anymore. And Lisa Breckenmeyer from Walking With Purpose gave this like closing women's talk. And it was 
phenomenal. I sat there mesmerized. Lisa, if you ever hear this, I love you. I think you're so cool. And she gives this talk about, well, purpose, I guess, and like living out your vocation and like being on mission. That's what it was. It was about being on mission. And it's on YouTube somewhere. If you can find it, go watch it because it's, she is so fiery and she's so passionate and she like, you can tell that she cares so much. So in this talk, she ends up bringing up this one comment where she goes like, Hey, what makes you want to jump up off the couch and scream? Like someone has to do something about this. And then why not you? Like, could it be that God's asking for it to be you that does something about it? Could it be that he's breaking your heart open so that you'll move? And that just really, really spoke to me. So that was how I ended up deciding to be a focus missionary. That I was like watching what was going on with my my brothers and sisters on campus and being like, man, someone does have to do something about this. Because this is this is no bueno. This is not this is not good, the the state of our culture and of our world. Now, college time and my first year as a missionary is really where the body image, food, nutrition connection starts to come in. As I enter my first year as a missionary, this is where I fell back really, really hard into disordered eating. It was something that I had really struggled with since like childhood. And it escalated throughout middle school. And then until that point, high school had been my I'm doing air quotes, rock bottom. And I've shared this like triple whammy before, but it was this perfectly terrible (laughs) trifecta of disordered body image, horrible periods and gut issues. That was this like underlying health issue in my life for all those years, really throughout middle school, high school and college. And that it was like this combination of the pursuit of just being thin And then also having my life stop once a month because my periods were so bad and it was like pretty debilitating and constantly going to the doctor's office. And these doctor's visits basically are just, hey, you can get on birth control or we can't help you and you just need to start taking Tylenol like three days before your period starts. Like that's all that we can offer you. Um, And at the same time, these gut issues that it would be like, how the heck do I not have stomach aches every day? And again, going to the doctor and just being told to stop eating red meat, which now I laugh at so much. Or it was just like, you just have IBS and this is just what it is. And that's how things work for you. Like really very little support, education or answers. And so it was a lot of trying to figure it out on my own. And so that led me to be like, I was vegetarian for almost a year in college, which is hilarious now to think about. Partially because I was trying to escape my gut issues, but also partially because I watched a documentary, a vegan documentary (laughs) called Cowspiracy, which I now look at with a very different perspective. And I did not know how to filter through propaganda at that age. Um, But like, I would just try anything. I was really, really desperate and I would look stuff up and I really cared about a holistic approach, partially because I knew that the conventional approach wasn't getting me anywhere and I was being left empty handed and was pretty frustrated about that. But also because I believed in like non-toxic, keeping things simple. I was aware of how kind of gunky a lot of the, the mainstream things that were offered are and I wanted something different. So jumping back to that first semester... I 
did Whole30. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, other people are doing this. It's like a reset. I'm feeling not so hot after a summer of cafeteria food and running around fundraising and moving. And it was like, great, everyone's doing this. It's just like a 30 way day way to get your body back on track. What I did not know, what I did not know is that it is not a very good idea, not very smart to jump into a diet program plan that is so, so restrictive with such strong language if you have a past of roughly 10 years of restrictive dieting and misunderstanding food. It really, really took over my life that year. It started with the Whole30. I started losing a ton of weight, which kind of brought back up that that like obsession and like really it was a need for control there were so many things that were different and changing that I didn't have control over and it was kind of falling back into this old pattern of using food as a way to control and then being obsessive about being thin so I went from whole 30 into the full-on carnivore diet so no carbs was losing weight was hell bent on it and would not accept I like anyone telling me otherwise literally was like this is the way this is how it's gonna be forever this is the smartest way to eat and I had no concept of what um, eating needs to look like as a woman I had no concept of marrying that in with my cycle and my hormone health which I will get to in a second so that was also the year that I got engaged and I got married and I learned how to chart. I finally learned how to track my cycle, which I was so, so excited about. Again, do not wait until you're engaged to learn how to track your cycle. Holy freaking moly. It is a whole new world opens up. So as I learn how to chart, my whole brain just starts to open up. And I'm like, how have I not learned this before? How am I like just finding this out as a, what was I, 23 year old. And I'm starting to see my charts be a little bit a wonky. I'm starting to see like the amount of stress that my body is under, but I didn't understand like how to do anything about it or what it meant. I just knew that the way that the charts were showing like wasn't hundred percent right. So that next year is really where I got to experience the consequences of my actions. And this is where everything began to change and where this whole like pathway really opened up. So we moved into a super moldy apartment <laughs> and that in combination with the mm, not really eating for the past year, my health really started to decline. And so I started to look for answers as everyone does on Instagram. <laughs> and I find nutritional therapy practitioners. I had literally never heard of this in my entire life, but I start finding a few of them and I'm, my jaw is on the floor because they are talking in a way that I had literally never seen before, especially coming from the carnivore community. I was like nourishment, like eating to nourish rather than just like eating, eating to be thin or eating to like avoid toxic foods, giving your body nutrients, like being intentional and giving it what it needs, eating with freedom and not having like a good list, bad list and black and white view of food. What? Like I, your, your body needs food and it doesn't run off of fumes. Like 
constant intermittent fasting isn't the best thing to do. It was blowing my mind that like extreme dieting is the opposite of healing. And like, it's not just being disciplined and that orthorexia is like a really real thing. What? Like I could not believe it. And this is really where everything changed. The Lord softened and opened my heart showed me this other route that I had never, it had literally never crossed my mind to eat to nourish my body, which sounds crazy as I say it now, but it really had always been about control, about avoiding um, stomach aches and symptoms and about being thin. That was always about. So this is the, that turning point. And I've shared this story in another episode. We went on a retreat to the angel queen, Leanne Bowen's home slash family ranch. And it felt like I was breathing for the first time in years. And this is where that very first night she shares her testimony and how this one quote had really impacted the course of her life, which was, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? And she shares this story and how like the Lord had guided her and how he had revealed himself to her and how it led her to become an artist and then to become uh, the wife of a cattle rancher and to move out to this like really secluded place. And it was just so beautiful. I was crying <laughs> as she was talking. I love that woman. Leanne, if you're listening, I just love you. Um, and that question, what are you going to do with your one precious life? Dear friend, that question hits so different and it hits so hard when you are not living well and when you are not doing so hot. And so that weekend in adoration, I was just really like facing myself for the first time in a long time. And I remember being like, I don't even like know who I am right now. Like, I feel like I've been living in such an extreme state of stress and chaos that I don't even like recognize myself. And I feel like if I like ran into eight year old me, she would be like, what? what do we do? What is going on? Like, why are you so sad? And why do we not have a dog? And so I sat on the floor in adoration with my Bible and I was like, okay, Lord, I really, I don't feel like I'm living a life that's sincere and authentic to the heart that you've given me. And I kind of just need to go back to how you made me identity. That is where we always begin. Right. And I was like, that like little me, what was she like again? Like, how did you make my heart and where do I go next? And going back to the beginning can only mean one thing. Say it with me, Genesis. So I sit there all the way back at the garden. I reread the creation story. And I feel like the Lord is like walking me through it and being like, look, look at everything that you need. I gave it to you. The same way that the father in the prodigal son looks at his eldest son and he's like, hey, everything that I have is yours. The father's like speaking that into my heart again. And he's like, showing me the garden. And he's like, I've never held back from you. Like, look at the simplicity, look for what is in there. So I'm combing through it. And I start to see vocation, animals, food, creation, relationship with God and union with him. And I'm like, wait, this is like all I ever wanted. Like when I think about little me and kind of this like tiny flow, all as she wanted as a kid was I just wanted to be with animals. I just wanted good food. I wanted to be outside with horses, preferably, and have a husband (laughs) and be with God. And so in my brain, like all of these puzzle pieces in my heart, all these puzzle pieces are starting to come together. So this is where I really say that like my business, which was originally called Ladywell, this is where like Ladywell began. Um, And so two months later, 
I'm unfortunately even in a little bit lower place. <laughs> we go back to the ranch. I remember it was after that trip, I had like gone back home to my husband and we went on a walk along the beach and I told him all of this and I was like, it's just so simple. Like that's all, that's all that it is. Like it's just creation and food and animals and vocation. Like God gave us everything in the garden and that's how we can even live now. Like the garden is still a model for how we can live now. And I was like really, really fired up about it. I still didn't know where it would lead. So then that two months later we go back and I'm in adoration in her living room again. And I go back to the same place. I'm like, Hey, what was I praying about last time I was here? Let's do that again. And my pen is just moving nonstop. And I draw out this whole plan. It was a, not a flow chart, a bubble chart, you know, where you just like <laughs> start doing the circles and things branch off of it. And I still have a picture of that journal. I'll post it on Instagram after this episode, because a lot of it has come true, which is really cool. But it's like the Lord is like unwinding and kind of starting to pull out these thorns that are in my heart in relation to living order and obsession with being healthy and also obsession with being skinny and like wishing I had known my cycle sooner and these conversations and what I was seeing with my other friends and my missionaries and within my own life and being like, dang, of all people, Catholic women should be the ones that get this. Like, we should probably be the number one champions of this. And we should probably be the ones that really, really live like it and live this life that's worthy of imitating and that reflects God's heart and the beauty that, and the, like his plan for the feminine body. And so of all people, like the gals that love theology of the body, the gospel, the feminine genius and fertility and don't believe in birth control should probably be the ones <laughs> that are that are living and preaching this, but we don't have the tools. So that whole someone needs to do something like comes up again. And I go home and I tell my husband and I'm like, hey, I'm going to start a business <laughs> and I'm going to teach Catholic women how to live well. I'm going to become an NTP. I'm going to become a fem instructor and I'm going to make a program that like I would have needed five years ago, 10 years ago, and I'm going to put it all together. And that whole idea of living well too really comes to, comes back to Monsignor James Shea. Uh, he gave this talk at training my first year about how important it is. And he was like, I want really, I really want you guys to understand what it means to live well. I wish I could find the recording of this somewhere. If anyone has it, please help me out. Because he was like, you guys need to know what it is so that you can live it and then you can share it and you can teach it. And he was like, this is why I have Rombauer Zinfandel. I think it's one of the best wines. And that's why I carry it at Chesterton's, the campus bar, because you missionaries need to know what like a good life looks like. And we live in a world with so much mediocrity that you guys need to know what it's like. So that that idea of like restoring the feminine heart, going back to the garden, having simplicity and kind of like letting the Lord unwind all of these lies and instead choosing to live like a really good, wholesome, beautiful life kind of came to be. So starting my own business had literally never been a thought. I'd never, I had no concept of it because I'd never seen anyone do it, which I will say, if you are thinking of starting your own business, that is one of the best that is one of the greatest gifts that you could have. If you have not seen someone do something, you know why? Because now you have no frame of reference, which means that you have no limitations except what you make up in your own head. It's like this one story that I've heard of a realtor who flipped like a hundred houses in his first year. 
And then they were like interviewing him and they were like, how did you do it? Like, how did you flip a hundred houses? The average is usually like two or three. And he was like, um, great question. I didn't know that that was the average. I just thought that it was normal. So I just kept going. <laughs> and that, that is a great place to be. So you, you can really jump all in when the Lord gives you a whole lot of confidence when you feel like he's telling you to do something. So that's kind of the backstory of where it came from. So now phase two, I'm going to tell you about the education part. So how I picked the programs. So first, how I picked the nutrition program. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner from the Nutritional Therapy Association. So at this point, I already had really, really strong convictions about nutrition. I had my own personal philosophy of like what was true and what made sense. So looking for the right program was actually very, very easy for me. I had heard about the NTA because I had found those other NTPs and had looked up other holistic nutrition programs. My filters at that time were cost, the time commitment, if I could do it online, and if it was a curriculum that I could stand behind, if it was something that I thought made sense. So when I say curriculum that I could stand behind, something that was very, very important to me was simplicity. And I wanted it to make sense in light of the gospel. So this is where, as you're looking at different nutrition programs, they will share about like their philosophy and how the program is broken down, broken down and what they actually teach you in it. So anything that was vegetarian based or I saw was like biased towards vegetarianism, I instantly threw out. That was out of the question for me. And then I really loved the foundational approach of the NTA. So having these basics that every single person needs and then pairing that with a more bio individual approach of treating each person like a unique individual. So having these basic truths and then also teaching you how to kind of fine tune things for each individual person. And then how I picked a cycle tracking program. I did the FEM program and in terms of cycle tracking, I had learned Creighton and some of the symptothermal method and I did not love either of those. I thought that they were a little bit too complicated and I wanted something that a single woman could learn. Like my main passion and my main priority was helping single women learn how to track their cycles. So I had heard that the Sisters of Life would recommend FEM to our college students. So I was like, yo, if the sisters are behind it, so am I. <laughs> really passionate about women understanding how their body works. They do a really, really good job of going beyond family planning and it just being like, these are the days where you're fertile or infertile, like this is how you can get pregnant or not get pregnant. And they really make sure that you understand how your hormones are working so that you can read your cycle as a sign of health. And that one also had the same filters. It was online. It was a good price. It was a good length of time. So I started that program as... I was still a missionary. So it was my last semester of being a missionary. I found a cohort that I thought timed out well. I started that one. And then I started my NTP program the semester, they're not semester, the month that I left campus and that I finished up with Focus, which timed out beautifully. It was really, really fun. And my TD was very supportive. I remember doing my FEM homework while we were on our last offsite, and he was awesome, um, which is Myla's husband now, which is really funny. So 
this all mattered a ton and like the categories that I was looking for mattered a ton because I was taking a huge risk and I had no backup plan. Like it was going to work and it was going to work. There was no other question about it. So I really, really needed to set myself up for success and be able to do it in a time frame that was going to be, allow me to be profitable sooner than later. I will say that the only way that I was able to do all of this and that the way that I went about it was 100% a blessing. I, I like absolutely acknowledge that was all because of my ridiculously gracious, loving, supportive husband who none of this would exist without him. He's the reason that I was able to like quit my job, focus on school full time and take the time to build this business out. So next, how I built the actual business, made my offers and got off of the ground. So as I was in school, that was when I was building out Made Good. So as I was going through the programs, I started designing the workbook, learning how to design a website, building out like the foundational, like uh, what the program was going to teach, what you were going to learn, what you were going to come out with, how to build a funnel, how to start email marketing and started to get a word around. This is also where my friends were the all time best cheerleaders ever. And they would tell everyone and their mother what I was doing. And like if anyone brought up that they had like period cramps or food issues, they'd be like, you should talk to Flo. Flo has a program that's coming out. Like they were, oh my gosh, <laughs> just the the absolute best. And that's how a wait list slowly got started for Made Good. And I literally had the entire program built out by my graduation date and then opened up the doors the same month that I was graduating. So it was all lined up very, very fast paced. Um, and then it just kind of kept going. Word of mouth has been very, very powerful. Friends are very, very powerful. Getting on social media has been helpful. After that, I did keep going to school. So here are the other additional programs that I have done. You win some, you lose some, just so you know, as a business owner. And lessons are learned every single step of the way. So here's the additional learning that I did and kind of if I would recommend it or maybe not. One of the first things I did was I did a business coaching program with another practitioner. This did not work out how I wanted, but it was a great lesson in what not to do and the importance of treating people like people. Um, so it really reminded and taught me how to be a champion and a cheerleader for other women because I got to kind of experience the not so great side of that. Then right before graduating, I took uh, I joined Guide Culture's sales training program, which now at this recording date does not exist anymore. It got retired this fall. And so that's where I learned how to sell, how to communicate, handle how to handle objections, how to persuade and encourage, how to understand someone's goals, really bring it to the surface, and then coach and motivate them towards it. That has hands down been one of the best investments I've ever made in my entire life, no doubt in my mind. So making sure that you get actual sales training because um, it's not about going viral. If you look at my Instagram, what do I have? Like 1,600 followers, and I have served 100 women and made a full-time income. So just know that just focusing on going viral or just focusing on marketing isn't what I would recommend. I'd recommend that you actually know how to sell person-to-person, -person how to have sales conversations, rather than just like the gimmicks that are kind of sold online right now. 
Um, then this past year at the beginning of 2023, I did a quantum fertility course with Carrie B and Sarah Kleiner, along with a few of their other programs. And this is where the circadian rhythm work that I do came in, which I am so passionate about and has been the biggest game changer for my clients. That has been absolutely transformational. Um, then I did an HTMA program with Jensen Schoonover. And that is where I learned how to read HTMAs and I was able to add in functional testing to my practice. So the HTMA is the hair tissue mineral analysis. It's a really, really important and helpful test for helping to find nutrient deficiencies, especially specifically mineral issues, how a person's body is handling stress and really pulling back the curtain on how their body is functioning on more of a cellular level that goes over the past like two to three months is what you get to see in a hair test whereas blood work is really only showing what's happening right now after that this past spring i completed fnpi which is the functional nutrition practitioner institute with robin johnson and this is where i learned so much more business and clinical on a deeper level and that's where i added in even more functional testing to my practice so that's how i do or how i know how to do gi maps Dutch tests, blood work, stuff like that. Wow, it has been a doozy. So I'm a year and a half into business. March will mark two years since the doors opened. And I literally cannot believe how quickly this has all gone by. I, with those like 100 women that I say that I've worked with, I can honestly say that each and every one of them has taught something to me and revealed a piece of God's heart. Like I have been blown away with the caliber of women that I get to work with. And it has been an honor to get to be invited into their care team and to be a part of their life and a part of their journey um, and their journey to living well, to getting pregnant, to really restoring their relationship with food and with their bodies. It has been something else. I've been really grateful, especially kind of reflecting on what it means to be a business owner as a Catholic wife, I've been really grateful to work from home and to have flexibility. At the end of the day, as passionate as I am and as grateful and as absolutely convinced and convicted as I am that this work is essential in our time where there's this constant battle against the human person and femininity and marriage and fertility, like that battle is so palpable. I also believe that at the end of the day, God doesn't care what your job is <laughs> and I'm going to be asked about my marriage and I'm going to be asked about how much I loved and if I did his will when I get to heaven. So this is why I talk so much about living in light of your vocation and that's your food, that's your habit, and that's your work. All of it should be in service to God, in service of your vocation, your marriage, or getting closer to the convent or whatever God has planned for you. So it's been very, very important to me to build a business that allows me to be a good wife and a present wife and a holy wife and to never let it be a distraction um, or an idol or anything like that. One last piece of advice. If you are listening and you're like, wow, I want in, like I want to do this. I have something to do and I have something to share and I want to help people. My first piece of advice is to just go for it. Stop asking around so much. Stop asking what everyone else is doing. Stop looking at what everyone else is doing. Literally go to the chapel, pray, ask God, and then go do something different. Do something new, 
do something from your own heart. Your own heart is so unique and it's so different. And that's why I don't really believe that there's um, like concerns of a saturated market or that like, well, there's already so many practitioners out there. Like I'll just be one more. That is literally not true because the way that you uh, love and the way that you understand things and the way that you communicate and the way that you would guide someone through something like this is so different from how I do it. And someone that vibes with me might not vibe with you. If they vibe with you, they might not vibe with me. Like it's totally different. So pick a program, take one step at a time and know that action breeds clarity. You just need to start moving. My second piece of advice is know that it's a lot of work, (laughs) like a lot. And so you do just need to start one step at a time and, um, have a, have a why and have a reason for as to why you're doing this and keep that clarity at the front of mind take really small steps every single day and be courageous my next piece of advice would be to never stop learning your clients really deserve a practitioner that stays up to date and innovates and is able to pivot with new information and you're also going to love consistently learning and being better and um, reigniting your passion for the body and the human person and coaching and all that kind of stuff. So really go out of your way to learn consistently. Don't just stop when your program or your schooling finishes. And my last piece of advice is the best thing that you can do when you're getting started is to treat every single person as an individual. There is no client, no two clients will be the same. And if you are entering the health field, I'm guessing that you have had your own issues And you know very, very well the amount of like baggage and pain that comes with someone's health journey and that being invited into it is one of the deepest honors and we have to do it with love and we have to like tread lovingly and lightly as we're walking through someone's story and through someone's heart. So really making sure that you are being intentional every single step of the way and that you build a business one brick at a time, one person at a time. This is fun. If you enjoyed this episode, um, I would love to hear about it, especially if this is something that you have been interested in. If you found it helpful, interesting, I would love to hear your thoughts, your questions, shoot me a DM. Um, And if you want to share it, share it on the gram and tag me in it so that I know that you listen to it and we can chitty chat about your thoughts. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And if you are someone who wants to go for it, girl, go full throttle. I'm rooting for you and I want to hear about it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Made Good. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it on the gram. Tag me. I would love to hear your thoughts and say hi. I love you so, so, so much. Wasn't this fun? Let's do it again next time. Cheers to living well.